Welcome to the Healthy You podcast, where we'll be chatting to a different guest each episode to find out what being healthy means to them. My name is Danny. I'm a Senior Active Lifestyles Officer at Cambridge City Council, one of the Healthy You delivery partners, and I will be your host for today's episode. It's a pleasure to welcome today's guest, David Lynch. David has a wealth of experience both personally and professionally in the practice of mindfulness, and he's currently working in Cambridge as a social prescriber. He's also a volunteer walk leader for the Healthy You Wellbeing Walks Initiative. David, it's so nice to have you here virtually in, in the virtual meeting room. Hello. How are you doing? Yeah, I'm doing very well, thank you, and, and looking forward to this conversation. Oh, good, me too, me too. Do you want to start off by introducing yourself? Tell us a bit about who, who you are. Yeah, yeah. So uh, my name's David Lynch and I came to Cambridge about 15 years ago. Um, I'm originally from the north of England, as you can hear by the timbre of my accent. Um, but um, I came here um, to engage in a very unusual series of Buddhist ordination training with the Tri Ratna Buddhist School. So that's what brought me to Cambridge originally. And what has kept you in Cambridge? Because that's another story. Mm. So um, I did that for about four years and then concluded it probably wasn't for me and decided that I wanted to combine what I'd learned from that process of learning, which was incredibly beneficial from a personal perspective, and take it back out into, into life, into society and to my job again. And so I, I tried to combine what I'd learned with what I used to do to create a new model and hence how I came into contact with you um, in, in, in the Healthy You project. Yeah, fantastic. So David, you've been involved with us in a, in a few different ways. I think you've led um, some really popular mindful walks in the city that we ran um, earlier this year. And most recently you've become a wellbeing walks volunteer with us and you lead a, a monthly walk at Nightingale um, while leaving from Nightingale Community Gardens which how's that been going yeah I love those walks we started in May just at the big when, when we came out of lock, lockdown so it felt very exciting to be saying hey look we can meet and we can go outdoors and do things so um, yeah it's been really good and because my background professionally is in um, community health and community development um, and at the time, I was working with Healthy You as a as a as a as a um, weight management coach, and I was very aware that a lot of the people I was speaking to were saying, "Yeah, I'd really like to get out more. Yeah, I would like to walk, but you know, I don't really have the confidence, and I'm not sure I could go to a sort of organised walk, and I'm not sure I could walk for a mile." And so I, I thought, well, I wonder if there's a, a need for some walks at a sort of more basic level, which is, would you like to just meet a small group of people and we'll walk around a small park from bench to bench and we'll start off with a little check in so we can get to know each other. So that by the time we're walking, we've already made some new friends. So that's been the model, really. Yeah, there's um, it, it can be quite a scary prospect going along to a new group for the first time can't it yeah absolutely and you know after that last lockdown there are a lot of people saying I don't leave my house anymore <laughs> I'd like to go out but I'm not sure I can 
And so just the idea of meeting a group of new people is a really big leap. Yeah, absolutely. And as a as a volunteer or as a, a the walk leader welcoming people, how how do you try and make people feel welcome? Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, the first thing I do is congratulate them on arrival when they come and I say welcome and well, you know, like, well, don't forget in here. That is already a huge step. Um, and then I, I ask them to pair up with someone and just to check in with them on a, on a one-to-one because then you're not speaking to a large group and say, who are you? What brought you to this walk? And is there anything, you know, you're worried about? about this walk so that they do that on the one-to-one and then check in as a group to say is there anything you'd like to tell the whole group so it's around sort of making it safe yeah yeah absolutely and you know walking doesn't have to be like you said miles and miles and you don't have to be out for hours and it it it's um a lot more the well-being walks are a lot more about being with other people yeah. in that shared experience isn't it whether you're walking for 10 minutes or you're walking for an hour it doesn't matter does it yeah yeah and, and I love that I don't know if you know about the the acronym of CLANG which is a sort of well-being uh, training model which is evidence-based which is C connect L learn A keep active N notice what's going on around you G give be generous mm-hmm. or clang and it's really lovely and I feel the well-being walks really encapsulate a lot of those elements and apparently that is an evidence-based approach to keep well mm. so yeah I feel like they could have come up with a better word than clang though I know they? I know and I soften that by saying <laughs> you know uh, w- what we're doing here we're clangers reference <laughs> to an old animation you, you, you probably won't remember yeah, I think though it's um uh it's the five ways to well-being. Is what I've right. never heard it as clang actually before, but okay. I, I I recognize it from a mind habit as their five ways to well-being. And it's it's it is incredibly important. And I think let's let's zone in on the N a little bit more on that notice element, because you've done a lot of work around mindfulness. Um, and so much of that is being present, isn't it? And and noticing well. You can tell me more about mindfulness. I'm not going to, to, to do it. What What is it? What is mindfulness? Because it's a real yeah. buzzword at the moment, isn't it? A lot of people are flinging it around. Yeah, I mean, it can be so much, can be something to everyone, you know. So um, unfortunately, it, it takes on a certain, a certain tinge or colour, which can also make it a bit frightening. Um, but, you know, essentially, mindfulness is a sort of clever word for awareness. All it means is awareness. And the basic premise of the teaching of mindfulness is, is to say, are you using all of your five senses right now to engage with what it is to be human? And that's because most of the time we're in our heads. So we're engaging with our intellectual cognitive sense which of course is highly developed in our society particularly in the western world to be clever is to be everything (laughs) so the the core premise and i use it in the well-being walks is let's tune into our other senses so what are you seeing right now what are you hearing right now 
what are you touching right now and i encourage people to touch the plants you know both spiky and soft and i encourage them to pick the herbs and smell the herbs and i even and this is a bit dangerous uh, in the autumn say and you can pick the raspberries because in the community garden at nightingale park there's a raspberry patch so you know do pick the raspberries and taste them it's a bit dangerous because you're not sure what people are picking you know um <laughs> You don't want to poison themselves anyway. So let me just come back to it. So, yes, yeah, so the invitation is to sort of get out of our heads for a little bit by using nature as a connection and just enjoying its beauty and its rawness. Sometimes I say, notice that freezing cold wind right now. Yeah, absolutely. I think that the weather can put a lot of people off. You know, it's well, we're recording this on a very wet afternoon in December. Hmm. but have you still been outside today uh, I cycled yeah I cycled to work and back and you know we did meet for the November walk it was a, one of those crisp spark sparkling days which is fantastic and I had a, we had a great turnout in our December walk which is going to be on the 23rd so really late um, so I'm just fingers crossed but the other thing we've got in the Nightingale Garden which is great it's a community garden is there is a polytunnel and Rebecca, who is one of the walkers and is the volunteer in the garden, has agreed to put on some drinks and refreshments in the pony tunnel. So, you know, we can say to people, look, just come. Yeah. We might not walk no. if it's foul weather, but you will make connections. Yeah. I think that's it's so important. And, you know, people can go out and walk on their own, but. It is hard, you know, it's hard to motivate yourself to get out and especially when it's cold and wet and windy and there's a million other things you could be doing and all of these, you know, excuses pile up as to why you shouldn't do it. But I think when there's a group waiting for you and expecting you to be there, you feel a little bit, well, I definitely do feel a little bit more motivated to turn up and join them. I think, do yeah. you find that from people? This the Absolutely. accountability. Absolutely. And that's what I like about your approach, which is please do book your place on this walk and sign up and give us your details and give us your contacts. I love that because, A, you're right, there's an accountability, but also it communicates to them is that we care, actually. Mm. We care that you've decided to commit for this and we're taking some responsibility to, to hold the space for you. You know, and that is a very strong, caring message. Yeah, absolutely. It's, yeah, someone someone will be there to welcome you and to expect you on the day. And if you if you don't come, then they'll miss out on, on seeing you type thing. Absolutely. Yeah. With mindfulness, I think mindfulness and, and meditation get a little bit confused, mm. but they are very different, aren't they? Could you yeah. elaborate on the difference? Yeah. A little yeah. Bit? So, so for example, when I do a mindful walk, which is an explicitly a mindful walk rather than a well-being walk, uh, the core element of the mindful walk is to walk in silence. And that's because it is a form of meditation. It's a walking meditation. And what the med all that the meditation means is you could reflect it with the word, uh, change the word with reflection or contemplation. So a meditation is an invitation 
for you to focus on your inner senses rather than be externally focused listening to your senses connecting with nature as in in the walk and just noticing what comes up so it's almost reading your own mind as if it was um a script coming out of it and noticing it and 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 just being curious about it so that's what a meditation is it's it's observing noticing your process as in your thoughts your experiences your your feelings in a way which is curious and kind and i love that element of it and and so notice the harsh judgments notice the harsh voice and the invitation is to be kind to yourself by saying that's okay you feel a bit stressed right now that's okay this is uncomfortable right now so that's that's the meditation angle and mindfulness can can be a practice even when you're not in a meditation so that's so the well-being walks i would say i think with a lot of awareness there but actually that can include a chatting with your friend as you're walking along so it's just a little bit more relaxed and a little bit more expansive so please do be aware of what's going on you know take care don't trip up um but it can also include conversation so almost it's like mindful conversation does that make sense yeah yeah i think so so can you practice mindfulness anywhere absolutely absolutely and you know i was speaking with my supervisor uh, recently and i said to her i said oh, i'm not doing any mindful teaching at the moment because i'm focusing on this new job i'm doing as a social prescriber i said and i'm a bit sad about that because it's really important to me mindfulness practice and i really like teaching it and she said to me david there are different ways of teaching mindfulness and she said i wonder whether in whatever you do in however you work there's probably an element of mindfulness in there and you know i thought yeah she's absolutely right i now that it's just become a lifestyle for me i probably am when i'm doing any form of support it's probably got some element of mindfulness in it mm. do you find it's um it is a, a practice though that you need to you need to kind of dedicate time to to doing or are you so used to it now that you you kind of do it without thinking that's a really good question danny i i think the baseline is you have to keep practicing it's like going to the gym like a you know, muscle any muscle gym, you need you lose feel it. great suddenly your life gets better and then you stop yeah we know what happens it's exactly the same with mindfulness if you stop practicing as in meditating mm. and all i mean by that is the first thing i do each morning is i get up out of bed i sit up and I meditate for 20 minutes, mm -hmm. i.e. I sit quietly and notice what I'm feeling, what I'm thinking, and just let it be without taking action. So yeah, daily practice. Mm. And for somebody who, who wants to focus and spend some time on, on practicing, but you know, 20 minutes a day seems a bit out of reach, how do you suggest that people kind of start? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Do you know, there's some great apps uh, available. I'm trying to think of the one that's most popular that people use. Headspace. 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 Thank you. There's Thank a, you. And Calm. They seem to be quite, both uh, quite popular. I don't, I, I don't know Calm. I know Headspace. 
And, you know, they include five minute meditations, mm. three minute meditations. So you're absolutely right. Even a small amount of time, you can do something. So you know, 20 minute isn't required as a starter. So in fact, better to start short, short slots and as frequently as you can, you know. I think it's a, a little bit like, um, well, like any kind of activity or, or, or even just walking. Like it, it takes time and you have mm. to dedicate to it, but it will make you feel better as a result. So, you know, if you're having an incredibly stressed or busy day, you think I couldn't possibly spend extra time doing something else, but actually it will help you in the long term. It will bring you back to some focus. It will give you some more energy. It will, you know, just benefit you. It always seems a bit, for me, counterintuitive that you can be really tired before you go and do some activity and it can give you more energy. You know, yeah. expending energy can give you more energy. It doesn't make sense in my head, but it does. I think that's a really good analogy. And you're absolutely right. When you're stressed and busy, it feels unbearable for when someone says to you, have you thought of meditating? It's like, uh, no, have you not just been listening to me? Yeah. I'm Did really busy. Hear my to-do list. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so it is, it's, 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 a, it's a whole different way of coming about health. And, you know, this is one of the things I love about uh, my work. It's how what I love around mindfulness practice. It's what I love around the well-being walks. It's like promoting health has got an element of magic to it. It's like you have to let go of your, your, your pre-existing conceptions. You have to, you know, the invitation is to give up and say, yeah, I know that. But, you know, just give it a go and see what happens. And if it helps, then it might be worth trying it again. So, yeah, there's definitely something a bit um, uncognitive around these models, these approaches, and, and almost going beyond the ego. Mm -hmm. Definitely. Uncognitive. I like that word. I think you just made it up, but I like it. I think I did make it up. <laughs> I'm, I'm just very aware that most of the time we're, I'm highly cognitive. You know, I'm planning, I'm thinking, I'm worrying, I'm sorting out, I'm resolving. So it's the opposite of that. Yeah, definitely. Um, you mentioned that you've recently started a new job as a social prescriber. Can you tell me what that is? Yeah, I'm going to give you what I understand it to be because I've only been doing it for three months and it's actually a new role. So, so the, the, the vision is, from my understanding, is that the NHS have recognised that medical staff are very busy. <laughs> they've got far too much to do and they've got a very little time slot to see each patient. And... So they've introduced this new health policy called personalized care. And it's bigger than what I do. So it's a, it really is a big health policy. But its basic premise is, if you spend more time and focus inviting people to ask themselves and share with you, what matters to you most? What's not working for you right now? And how does that impact on your life? And what are you prepared to do or what are you already doing that helps you? Or what are you doing that doesn't help you? And can we help you to come up with a self-care plan 
to manage the symptoms and improve your quality of life as best you can. So that's my understanding of it. And the social prescriber has been brought into primary care without those limits of time. So I get a referral from a doctor or a nurse. I contact the patient and I say to them, hello, I'm David, I'm a social prescriber. I wonder whether I can help you. Do you want to tell me something about yourself? What's happening to you right now? And how you think I might be able to help you? And so that very open-ended invitation with no time, uh, uh, time scale is so different if you think of what it's like when you go to the doctors. Mm. And the idea is you hear things, people reveal things, you get a bigger picture, and then you use your coaching skills, which are like counselling skills, to help that person come up with an action plan. So by the end of the phone call, hopefully what happens is so you've told me this this is what's difficult for you right now but this is what matters to you right now and this is what you'd like to do to improve that and this is what we've agreed as a way forward does that make sense Danny yeah so you're based you're you're working with the patient to come up with a plan that they've that they've created themselves you know you're just the facilitator exactly that's exactly the plan so it's an enabling approach which mm -hmm. says to them you know you've got a lot of the answers or if you haven't i can help you find those answers mm -hmm. but you'll find them and that's very different from the old health model isn't it which mm -hmm. is doctor i've got a pain here mm -hmm. what should i do take a tablet i'll take a tablet bye now that's not to diss the medical model because where would we be without modern, med you know, modern science but it's it's quite different and they use this little term which i find helpful with us, what the social prescriber does is I say, what matters to you, not what's the matter with you? Mm. And I quite like that. And that's going to be completely different from person to person, you know, and, and what you think should matter to them might not. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, you know, sometimes I think in my head, oh, what this person needs to do is this, this and this. But actually, if they don't think that, then there's no point even talking about it. No, no, because there's no way they're going to do it. No, that's right. But as I say, I'm really new in the job and it really, it's a new job. And partly I understand is I've got to create it. I've, it's up to me to, in, to a degree, to make it make mm -hmm. some sense. So it's exciting and also a bit daunting. Yeah, absolutely. Oh God, I can imagine. Um, what do you, do you see kind of common commonalities across patients? Have you certain themes that, keep cropping up yeah I think I think there are some very common themes you know one is anxiety and fear mm. um, because of COVID because of lockdown because how difficult it is to get anywhere um, you know because how difficult it is to get an appointment um, so there is a whole backlog of anxiety and fear so that's one theme and the, the, I'd say another theme is do when you're feeling unwell, when you're feeling down, to the prospect of, of believing that maybe it can get better is quite a challenge for everyone. And so 
I think that's a common theme too for me, which is how can I encourage this person to even believe that maybe with my support, they might actually be in a better place in three to six months time. So that's a theme. So how do I create a connection for them to even believe in me? Mm. How much of that is about confidence and confidence in you and confidence in themselves and in the system and in the support available? Absolutely. I mean, if you've never been asked by anyone, what do you think? What do you believe? Because that matters then I'm starting at a very basic level, aren't I? If I'm talking to someone who's always been told what to do and they believe that they don't know, then, mm. you know, I've started right at the beginning. And you're right. Also, why should they believe in me? I'm just, I'm just a voice on the end of a phone. What makes me different from a doctor? What makes me any different from a teacher? So you're right. I've got to build that confidence. Health is an interesting one and it comes to kind of personal care because nobody else in the world knows you better than you, yeah. do they? That's absolutely right. That's and, right. and a, a you doctor know how is you own, feel. Yeah. And how it differs and how, how different um, environments and changes make an impact on you. I mean, a, a medical professional is only able to go on what they can see and what you tell them mm. and obviously mm. all the years of training that they've had but yeah. it you are very much in control of mm. what you're telling them absolutely absolutely and you know if I think back to my own experience of medical care so often I'm I've tried my best to communicate what I think is wrong with me you know what my symptoms are and certain GPs I felt oh god they didn't get that at all and I've been really unhappy with the outcome and often not taking the tablet mm. and other consultations I've got they really heard me they really get it and I've been really happy with the outcome so you're right there's a whole communication piece mm. um it's a it, it's a very delicate intervention and I'm pleased you've talked about health Danny because I was doing some research recently and do you know the word health comes from an old Anglo-Saxon word which is the word for whole is exactly the same meaning health and whole hence holistic mm. taking a holistic approach and so what all health means is is that you are you're trying to create a whole from something which has been fragmented and I love that because I, I see that's what I'm doing both in my mindfulness, but also in my social prescribing is that I'm trying to invite the people I support to, to feel more whole or to bring other parts of themselves into the open in order to create some balance and wholeness. That really excites me. I didn't know the origin of that, of, of the word health. It makes complete sense, especially when like you said you look at a word like holistic and I think more and more health professionals are taking a more holistic approach to people and people are taking a more holistic approach to their own health, which is brilliant because they absolutely need to be the number one person involved when it comes to mm. your own health. Mm. It's not something that can be done to you a lot of the time. Yeah. But I think that leads me on very nicely, David, to the question that we ask everyone, every guest on our podcast, which is what does being healthy mean to you? 
you know, I'm really glad you asked me that because it's, this is really important to me because you won't be surprised to hear that I believe that healthy means integrating three aspects of ourselves, our mind, our body, and our soul, or if you like, spirit. And I think those three are equally important. But my understanding is that most healthcare is focusing on the body, as in physical health. More so now with mental health, we've sort of taken that more seriously, so mind's coming on board. But I see a great absence of the soul spirit. And I think that's why I'm attracted to mindfulness, because mindfulness is just a derivative of the Buddhist philosophy, which I think very much takes on board the spirit and the soul. Um, so for me, to be healthy is for me to invite a conversation between those three aspects of myself and to recognize where the imbalances lie. And I think the mindful walks, the well-being walks, are a great example for me of what I'm doing is inviting people to bring all three of those to the conversation. How are you physically? You know, physically, can you walk? Would you, do you feel up to walking? We're going to do a little walk now. How are you in your mind? How are you feeling? But also, how's your spirit? And, you know, by spirit, I don't mean religion. One definition of spirit is just what's your meaning? You know, what's your purpose? Why is your life important? So, yeah, that, that's what to be healthy means for me. Amazing. Thanks, David. Remind us of the next, your next wellbeing walk. When is it? Okay, so Thursday the 23rd um, in Nightingale uh, Community Garden. And remember to re register your place to guarantee it. Yeah, brilliant. You can book on at bookwen.com forward slash walks in Cambridge. And I will share the link in the comments. Thank you so much, David. I, I'm hoping to be there. Um, before Christmas at the for Christmas mainly because you've promised me coffee in the polytunnel even if it is checking it down with rain outside great thanks so much for your time you're welcome thank you if you enjoyed this episode be sure to like and subscribe to the podcast and of course tell your friends Healthy You is a free service to support Cambridgeshire and Peterborough residents to improve their health and well-being the service is funded by Cambridgeshire County Council and Peterborough City Council and is 100% free. To find out more about how the service can support you, visit healthyyou.org.uk.